Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We also podcast these programs. I like to call them broadcast podcasts because that's really what they are. They're broadcast podcasts. They're on the radio, terrestrial radio, and they're also on the internet at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, and a lot of other locations. Folks are reposting our interviews too, and I thank them for doing that. Hey, if you're doing it, keep doing it. I appreciate it. It expands our reach. It lets people know who we are, what we are, where we are, and why we are doing what we are doing. I suppose the long and the short answer is we're trying to change the world uh, and we're doing it one person at a time. Uh, sometimes we have two guests and uh, hopefully you're listening and it's something that you're interested in. And if it is, and you like what we're doing and you'd like to support the work we're doing, please, if you can financially support us, that's why we have a PayPal and Patreon account so that uh, you can help us to keep uh, things moving forward on this program. So PayPal and Patreon account links are on the homepage as well as the missions page where there's a little more information about who and what we are. I won't go into full description now, but we encourage you to do that. We also encourage you to go to our guests website. We'll be giving that to you shortly so that you can continue your evolutionary slash transformational process. Oh my gosh, transformation is part of what we're going to be talking about today. It's so exciting. And we also want you to participate this year and in years to come in 2020, the year of perfect vision. And that is where we want you to go within. We want you to spend the time going within yourself, listening to that still small voice and also uh, finding that peace and that calm space that we are all desperately in need of right now. I know a lot of people are kind of frantic and they're anxious and all of these different things that we're hearing about. And we want you to, the best way to resolve that is to go within and just, just be, okay? You don't have to do anything, just be. Be who you are and get to know who you are. We thank you so much for uh, doing all those things. Okay, with that said, our guest today is uh, Judy Miller. She's the author of a book entitled Perfect. And it is a path to love, forgiveness, and transformation. And Judy, thank you so much for being with us here on the program. I'll give you my definition of perfect in a moment. But uh, it's great to have you with us. This is going to be, I believe, a perfect program. You're here, Richard. Thank you. This is, uh, this is very exciting, especially considering the fact that you're talking about a path to love, which a lot of people are talking about, forgiveness, which my God, we need that so badly. Uh, not just forgiving others, but forgiving ourselves. And then, of course, as I mentioned before, um, having people uh, go to your website to find out more and continue their transformational process. How did all of this start for you uh, in terms of your path? Not necessarily uh, to love, forgiveness, and transformation, but I would think that based upon the subtitle, that's kind of where <laughs> kind of where you are. <laughs> so Richard, I'm going to ask you and your listeners three questions. Have you ever felt different like you didn't belong? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, especially when I was a kid growing up, going to school, getting uh, getting bullied, but also thinking differently about the rest of the world. For example, I used to think that whatever it is that animates this physical body that you are looking at right now 
as we are doing this on Zoom. Uh, I'm inside there somewhere, and I'm looking out those eyes and hearing out the ears and all of those senses and thinking, and nobody sees the world the way that I do. I am, I am unique, in, and that the rest of the world is here for me. This is my playground. Something tells me that I wasn't that far off, even as a kid. <laughs> well, I love your response. So I have two more questions for you. Have you ever felt incomplete, always searching maybe for someone or something to make you feel whole? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> for, for a long time, I was. For a long time. And maybe if you were like me, maybe you felt unworthy, always having to prove yourself over and over again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not just to others, but even just to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, and the reason I ask you and your listeners these questions is because these feelings have literally plagued me for most of my life. I started my career as a CPA or certified public accountant, and then I went to work in finance in the healthcare industry for over 20 years. And along that journey... I learned how to let go of all those feelings and truly experience true freedom and joy. And that's the reason why I wrote Perfect, because when I look out into the world, I see so many people carrying the same burdens and feelings that I did who could perhaps benefit from learning to let go of that. And, you know, in your introduction, you said the subtitle to the book is called The Path to Love, Forgiveness and Transformation, right? Mm -hmm. But what does forgiveness actually mean? There are so many different definitions. For me, it's really, really simple. It means to forego or to let go of. So painful and unwanted events are going to happen to all of us. We could either experience that event once, or we could literally play it over and over again until it becomes stuck, until it becomes our identity. So for me, forgiveness really is just letting go of those stories, those contracted energies that no longer serve us, so we can truly move forward and experience freedom and joy. Hmm. So if you would allow me, I'd love to give you and your listeners an overview of this journey. Please. So like many people, like many children, I had fears as a child. I was actually afraid of drowning, but I was terrified of the night. And it was more than just monsters under the bed or monsters in the closet. It felt like terror. And if you've never truly felt terror, it feels like if someone jumps out in front of you unexpectedly and your heart starts to race and your hands begin to sweat and maybe you can't even breathe. And that's what it was like for me every night as a child. I can sense and feel different energies around me, and I didn't know if they were there to help me or to harm me. So Richard, night after night, literally, I would crawl into bed, I would pull the covers over my head, and I would literally recite the Lord's Prayer over and over again until exhausted, I would fall asleep. And this was my ritual night after night. And as a child, it was extremely confusing. And then I started my career as a CPA, as we mentioned, Um, I met my husband at work and we actually got married and had two kids. And in the exhaustion of raising two children, commuting three hours a day to work, working 40 to 50 hours a week, in that exhaustion, everything stopped. The terror, the fear, the subtle energies, the subtle whispers, it all stopped. But then my kids grew up and then they went off to college and the house became silent. And in that silence, everything returned. The terror, the fear, I would literally... And it must have been comical for my neighbors. I literally tiptoed around my house, afraid of who or what I might bump into. It felt like someone was always standing behind me or if there were eyes staring at me from across the room. And I would wake up at night, grabbing at my husband in fear, and soon we both began to lose sleep. And around the same time, I actually started to bleed uncontrollably month after month. And I went to see my doctor, and my doctor said that I needed a hysterectomy. Um, 
And I was terrified of the surgery and I couldn't understand why. So remember, I had worked in healthcare for over 20 years and I trust modern medicine, but it felt like the same terror that I had as a child. And it felt like the same terror that returned to me as an adult. So a very good friend of mine recommended that I read a book called Light Emerging by Barbara Brennan. And Barbara was a former NASA physicist who actually studied the human energy field. And what she learned, she was actually able to heal people. So literally days before my surgery, I found myself Googling healers near me. And as I sat across from my healer for that very first time, I literally heard the click of a lock. Like my entire life was locking into place. And at the time, I didn't know the role that healer would actually play in my family's history. So my healer helped me heal after the surgery. And then in the following months, we started to explore this unexplainable terror that I had of the night. We looked at my childhood experiences um, to see if anything had triggered it, but nothing had. Then we started to talk about past lives. And Richard, this was something that I knew nothing about. She introduced me to the amazing work of Dr. Brian Weiss. Dr. Weiss was a very prominent psychiatrist. And he had a patient named Catherine who had these unexplainable fears and phobias. And accidentally, during a hypnosis, they were able to uncover that these pains and these terrors that she felt was actually from past lives that she had. And by understanding that, she was able to release those terrors. So we explore past lives. And then we also talked about my parents. We know that we inherit so many things from our parents, the color of our eyes, the color of our hair, the shape of our nose and other physical characteristics. But we also talked about the science of epigenetics. The science of epigenetics says that we could actually inherit the pain and the trauma that our parents experienced. And they've shown it with Holocaust survivors where their children and their grandchildren actually carried that same pain and terror in their body. So, Richard, that pain and terror that I felt each night actually wasn't my own. It was actually a cellular memory from my mother. They say female babies are born with two to three million of their reproductive eggs at birth. So for most of your, your mom's life, as an unborn egg, as, as a cell, you were actually in her body. You experienced many of the triumphs and the traumas that your mother experienced on a cellular level. So that pain and that trauma that I felt was actually a cellular memory from my mother. But Richard, the story doesn't end there. There's actually a shocking past life connection to the very healer I trusted in this lifetime to heal me. She was the very person in a previous lifetime that actually inflicted the pain on my family. And I know that my story sounds unusual and uncommon, but in that moment of revelation, I could have felt fear, anger, maybe even betrayal, but I didn't. Richard, what I saw was the immense love and perfection of the universe. And I literally saw how all of our souls are interconnected across lifetimes, how we're unconditionally loved and accepted and how <laughs> how truly perfect everything is. And that's where the name of the book came from. Well, I have to tell you that uh, from my upbringing, both uh, as a, an individual, uh, as well as uh, my upbringing in broadcasting, uh, I worked for 15 years for a Christian radio station. And in it, I heard a lot of different messages, but one in particular that really struck me, and this is why I love the the, the title of your book. And I, I hear where you're coming from as far as this this concept of perfect. But there's a passage in the New Testament. It goes, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I mean, what does that mean, to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect? And so I, I ran down the, the list of things that 
uh, perfection is from the human standpoint. And of course, you know, there's the dualistic concepts, good and evil, right and wrong, light and dark, and so on and so forth, right? And I thought, but based upon what I was taught of God at that time, he, he <laughs> is none of those things. At the same time, he's all of those things. Okay. But he's none of those things. And in the Old Testament, it talks about how I am that I am, you know. And I, I started putting that stuff together and I began to realize that's what perfection is. As I mentioned earlier in the introduction of the program, to just be. Mm. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to think anything. Just be. And if, you know, and, and also, you know, be still and know that I am God. Okay. Each one of us has that capacity within us, I believe. So have you looked at uh, this concept of being perfect in that context? I mean, we all grew up with the rules. Don't do this and don't do that. I mean, look at the Ten Commandments in particular. Uh <laughs> I, yeah. I love how you said it. You said it so beautifully. So I was raised Catholic. So I was raised with a lot of those teachings. Me too. But, you know, there's an experience that I described. There's several experiences that I described in my book, Perfect. And one of them I would just love to share with you. Mm -hmm. So as I was laying on my healer's table, we were trying to do a hypnosis. And I literally felt myself ascending. I went through this purple haze and then out into this bright white light. And I was surrounded by this incredible sense of love. And I know it sounds like a near-death experience, but I was I was alive. I wasn't dying. <laughs> so I was dying with my eyes wide open. But but as I was ascending and emerged with this feeling of love, there was a message that I got. And mm -hmm. the message was, we can all come home. We could all come home by loving and accepting who we are exactly as we are. And the joy is in the reunion and the remembrance of who we are. So I do believe that we're all perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other aspect of this, of course, the subtitle being a path to love, forgiveness, and transformation. I went through a transformative process that took I don't know, could have been six months, maybe to a year. It started in September of 2016. And uh, as we were heading towards uh, that year's election and everything, I got sucked in. And it took me six months to get unsucked, as I, I use the phrase. <laughs> and then after the election, I, 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 had to, I had to work through this because I know, and you are certainly aware of this as well, that I couldn't continue on with that energy going on inside of me that was just, it was driving me crazy. And I, I knew that this was, it was eventually probably going to kill me if I didn't stop it. So the first step was, I said, thank you, teacher, for teaching me how not to behave. It was the second one that is a pr uh, profound here for me and as applies to, to this path to, of, of forgiveness. I was able to say, I forgive you, but more importantly, I forgive myself for allowing myself to be drawn into this, this, this quagmire. That's what I'll call it. Mm -hmm. And it can apply, that quagmire can apply to any situation that anybody is facing. But in my case, it was, it was the whole uh, political thing, you know. And um, now I'm in that position of, trying to be completely human and understanding that every person has a right to be here, whether we like it or not. 
And um, I now am asking the question from a strictly compassionate and wanting to understand perspective. What is it that you are so afraid of that makes you speak and behave in the way that you do? I'm not asking you to change. Far be it from me. I just need to understand so that I can move on with my life and let this this stuff, this energy go that is not helping me. The lower vibrations, and we're going to get into that as well. But now the fourth phase that I'm in, and I heard this from one of my guests not too long ago. Basically, it came it came about in a conversation about bullying. And um, uh, basically it was, if you're getting bullied by someone, it doesn't matter how, the greatest response that you can have to that individual after they've said all of the things that they were going to say is, I love you. It takes the wind out of their sails. It changes your energy and the dynamic of what's going on there. They don't know what to do with that, most likely. Mm -hmm. You know, they might have some, they might have some retort, but that's the phase I went through. And it was that last phase, the fourth phase that I, I'm trying to remember whether it's somebody that cuts me off on the road. I love you, (laughs) you know, which (laughs) seems crazy. Or even someone that cuts you off in the grocery store, comes flying out of an aisle, uh, whatever it is. Even if you don't say it directly to them, if you just say it within yourself, I love you, it kind of, it, it changes your energy, doesn't it? Oh, it absolutely does. And you know, something that you said early on, forgiveness is not condoning the actions of another person. It's oh. just getting you out of that cycle of victimhood. Yeah. Um, so, so Richard, um, I would love to share something else with you. Please. So in the book, I describe a scene. Um, I believe that I experienced so many things on this journey because my heart was wide open. I was truly experiencing how to live from my heart and to love. And during this journey, my mother-in-law passed away. So in, remember in the beginning, I said that I felt different most of my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. of course, because I felt different, we know the law of attraction. What we think about, what we project, what we hold on to is mirrored back to us. So, of course, I married a man that was totally opposite of me, racially, culturally, socially, and spiritually. So I always felt like I didn't belong as part of the family. I never truly let my heart be open because I was afraid that they wouldn't love and accept me as I was. Mm. And when my mother-in-law passed away, and again, so many of these experiences sound like near-death experiences, I was literally communicating with her, and I am not a medium. And she showed me every interaction, literally within seconds, that I had with my husband's entire family. And what I noticed and what she showed me was because I felt different, because I was holding on to that story everything that I projected was mirrored back to me. And that's how I experienced my husband's family and my life because I was holding on to that story. Mm. Stories do make up our lives, don't they? They do, but we do have a choice. Yeah. And stories also can be very impactful uh, to others. Uh, I used to think that um, you, for example, for example, Judy, uh, Judy Miller, who is my guest here, has written the book Perfect. Um, you have different stories than I have, but you and I do share a commonality. We both experience the same emotions. 
Okay, fear to you is still fear to me. What triggers it? That's the difference. But in other words, the stories, uh, the stories can change, but the emotions stay the same. Mm. So would so, you say that maybe the oh, what do I, I don't want to say remedy because we're not trying to get rid of emotions, but the the solution to get unstuck from the emotions because I think that's where the problem is. Um, th- that same solution can work for for everyone, even though our stories are different, the emotions the same. So is that mm-hmm. is that a fair statement? Absolutely. So let me invite uh, listeners. So before I got on this call with you, I my heart was racing, my stomach was fluttering, my throat was dry. Oh my. So Richard, some people might call that nervousness, mm-hmm. but Richard, those are the same exact sensations that I have when I'm excited. It was me who labeled it as nervousness, ah. right? But it's the same sensation. So I truly believe that as humans, we are meant to experience life as the sensations of life, as the emotions of life, as they process through our bodies. So Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor wrote a book called um, My Stroke of Insight. She was a Harvard neuroscientist who was able to heal herself from traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she says in her book is when an event happens, either good or bad, it takes us 90 seconds to process that emotions through our physiology. And then let it go. After those 90 seconds, we've started to label it either as good or bad or, you know, hate or love or fear or whatever you want to call it. After those 90 seconds, we're the ones that are labeling it. Yeah. But the sensations and processing are exactly the same through our body. Yeah. You know, the thought of daylight and darkness, sunrise to sunset, sunset to sunrise, there's nothing good or evil about either of them. They're just part of a cycle. Mm-hmm. I happen to prefer uh, new moon night because I love looking at the stars. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that I don't like it when the, it's daylight and it's blue skies or here in California, Southern California, Central Coast to Santa Barbara, when the marine layer rolls in. I love that. Both of those. But it's the nighttime and the stars. Um, and uh, looking up, I remember my, my, my present wife and I, we went up to a place called Woods. Um, oh, I think it was Woods Canyon Lake. Anyway, it was, some, it was in Arizona, north, uh, around Flagstaff, Arizona, which was northern Arizona in the mountains. And I had just, I had not seen uh, the stars from that elevation. It was a good, good, good four or 5,000 feet, I think. And I had just had a lens implant in my right eye. And now I was driving as well uh, before I was legally blind. And I, we got up there and it was as if someone had thrown a ton of glitter in the sky. It was, it was magnificent. It was, I, I tell you, that was so bright from my perspective, you could almost read by that light. It, was, it seemed that bright. Now, we're down about 2,000 feet now where we live. Not quite as bright, but still pretty spectacular. But none of this has any duality to it. It just is. And now I'm a person who has struggled with the whole concept of duality, especially when it comes to those, you know, those perennial questions that we ask as human beings. Why am I here? Where am I going? Where have I been? And so forth. Where do I come from? 
And the ancient wisdom teachings say, you know, that we come from the one, right? And that we're going to the one. So my question, and I sort of asked this somewhat facetiously, is, then what in the heck are we doing here in this dualistic world? But yet the reality is that it isn't dualistic. It, we're the ones, at just what you were saying before, after 90 seconds of feeling a particular emotion, we label it, Right? And we'll either put a plus or a minus on it, okay? Uh, uh, a white dot or a black dot. And it's like, but it's all just part of being, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the reason we're here is to experience who we are. Yeah. We can't experience light without darkness. You know, all of those contrasts that you said. Yeah, and I agree with that, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and I'll also add to that, and I've made this comment on the program many times before, and that is that when you look at the macrocosmic world, let's just say through the Hubble telescope, which has given us some spectacular images, um, and you see things hurtling through space and colliding, supernovas exploding and, and new stars being created and, and asteroids and comets and meteorites crashing into this and that and the other thing, we don't sit there and judge it as good or bad. We are, we're, we're in awe. Wow. We, like when we're watching fireworks, right? Mm -hmm. And if you go down to what I call the microcosmic world, you're looking through the electron microscope at living tissue and the cells and the subatomic particles. And believe it or not, my personal belief is you're looking at the same thing that you were looking through the Hubble telescope at. Only now it's just, I mean, we're talking tiny. Horton hears a who, you know, kind of thing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You remember the story, don't you? Mm -hmm. So yet here on the, I call it the mid-crow, which is where you and I live, and we see things doing that in our world, we judge it. We put a judgment on it. And I have to believe that there is some, some universal power at play when you, for example, think of how many millions of cars are there on the road, just in the United States alone, all right? And how many accidents in a percentage, and I haven't checked into this, I should, but what's the percentage of accidents per day of those millions of cars roaming around the streets of the United States? I'll bet you it's really, really small. But when we hear the traffic reports, we think, oh, my God, the world's coming to an end, especially if you live in Los Angeles or, say, New York. Mm -hmm. um, there must be some divine intervention somehow that's keeping people from literally running into one another of all of those millions of cars where we would have a higher percentage of accidents, injuries and sadly deaths. Mm -hmm. um, it to me, it's just it's just like there's something greater going on here and is that something that you have been able to um, get in touch with so to speak and tap into as you have gone down this path i think what started it actually happened on good friday that's what started this journey oh wow so i was literally in church waiting for mass to start um the choir was singing my kids were probably on their cell phones texting and i was just listening to the music 
And I literally, I, I, an overwhelming sense of love just out of the blue just descended upon me. It was every feeling of love you could imagine multiplied a million times and it was just coursing through my body. And I literally just started to cry because it was so overwhelming. And I'm looking around the church to see if anybody else is experiencing it, but nobody else had. And in that moment, I realized how incredibly loved we are. Yeah. You know, like I said, for most of my life, and I know so many other people who go around life feeling unloved, unworthy, different, incomplete. But if we knew how much we were loved, we would never doubt it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I often think about that, especially, and of course, I was born and raised Catholic, and in my first marriage, um, we attended uh, Byzantine Rite Catholic Church. A lot of people think it's Orthodox. It's still under the Pope. It's just Eastern Rite. And um, one of the things that really uh, struck me, and some of this did come out of my uh, religious teachings from the radio station I was working for at the time, and that is... I kept hearing these messages about how, how we were nothing more than lowly worms, you know, just crushed by the heel of God, you know, and we, have, you know, and so on and so forth. But then, of course, they talk about the sacrifice, right? Jesus dying on the cross, rising again, and so forth. And I thought, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. If, if there was an animal that I had as a pet who was wounded and I didn't care, then I'd just toss him out in the yard and let him fend for himself. But I wouldn't do that. I would do everything I could. And we've done that with a couple of our animals. And we spent a few thousand dollars <laughs> to get them healthy again. So I thought, well, wait a minute. If we don't have any value prior to the sacrifice, then what was the point of the sacrifice? We must have been priceless because the sacrifice was made, which makes us even more priceless. You know, uh, you know, if you will, before and after original sin, if you will, if you if you if you believe in that that particular concept. So that's kind of what's come to me is that, my God, we are. We're incredible beings. Both from the, the, the cellular perspective, the biological perspective, but also from the spiritual perspective, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, even though I was raised Catholic, um, there are probably some things in my story that may not resonate with people who are very traditional. Sure. Um, so there is a part in my story also, um, after my surgery, after my hysterectomy, I refused to take painkillers just because there was so many stories about people getting addic addicted. So I just basically laid in bed as still as possible, because if you sneeze or if you moved, it felt literally like an electric shock through your body. And it, and I can't even explain this. It felt like an Irish guy, like almost like a nurse, kept drifting in and out of my awareness. And she would sit with me. And Richard, what she told me was, we we're never alone, never abandoned, always loved. If we knew who stood beside us in every moment, we would never be afraid. So it's a privilege to be here. You know, so many of us think, so many of us, so many of us feel like we're suffering, but it truly is a privilege to be human, to be alive. I would agree. I even heard this phrase, especially, um, and this was way before the pandemic. Okay, this was maybe five or 10 years ago. Uh, one of my guests said uh, that because th this person was in touch with the other side in touch with other angels and other spirits and so on and so forth and guides. 
and ancestors. And they look upon us from this is from this guest's perspective. They look upon us as heroes because we have chosen to incarnate at this particular time in, if you will, the events. I'll call them the events of man rather than saying human history. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, I, I thought, wow, we're considered heroes because we chose to be born into this particular segment of of chronological time that's interesting mm-hmm. um i as i said at the front end of the program i want to change the world for the better in the sense that um that doesn't mean as i've said in in some of my promotional announcements on the radio station that doesn't mean that this is an awful terrible icky place and we need to get out of here no god forbid you know i mean it's great that we're going to go explore mars one day that's wonderful but to leave this place to go to Mars, we're going to do this. Unless we change our consciousness, raise our consciousness, we're going to make the same mess we've made here. Mm-hmm. But um, it just seems to me that that that's that's part of our 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 journey, and maybe even in one sense our jobs. I want I want things to be better for everybody, all eight billion people. Nobody li- deserves to live in the kind of conditions we see in the news and on documentaries about places, you know, those hillsides they show you in Chile mm-hmm. that are all just about almost made out of cardboard. All of those houses of just made out of this part and that part and the other part. And, and the next rainstorm, they're all going to wash away. But you know what amazes me, Richard, when you talk to them, so many of them have nothing, but they are so happy. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that too. And even in Africa, for example, I've asked people who have visited. I don't know if you've been there or not. Mm-hmm. I've been to uh, South Africa. Uh huh. Well, some of the, the the various tribes that are out in the wilderness, if you will, and 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 you'll see documentaries, uh, uh, and and people are going there to help to help them out in whatever way that they can, you know, and so forth. And I noticed that the clothing that they're wearing is so bright and vibrant, filled with color. And yet, along the same lines, they have virtually nothing. They might have a few buildings. Maybe there's a schoolroom and so forth. And they might have a few books and that kind of stuff. But they still, their outer apparel is so excited, if you will. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, Richard, I actually was born in Trinidad which is an island in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. It's right off the coast of South America. And I moved to the U.S. when I was very young. And we weren't very wealthy. I grew up in the projects. But I didn't know that I didn't have a lot. Richard, it was when I started to look around me and compare myself to other people. And I started to create stories and labels and judgments. Mm -hmm. It's when I started to do that that I felt different. Mm. And that's when I started to feel a lower level of happiness. Mm. Right? When we think there is a sense of lack, a sense of competition. Isn't comparing someone to yourself that, that sense of lack? Absolutely. That's what creates that sense of lack. Yeah. So tell me, what is your, shall we say, definition? Because we like to define terms on this program as well. What's your definition of love? My definition of love, 
I believe that we are love. Um, so it's really hard to define. So as I mentioned, when I went through those experiences, my heart was just wide open and it just overflowed with love. I believe there's only two emotions. I believe everything either falls into fear or to love. So fear for me is just a contracted negative energy. It's looking at the past, wishing that we could change it or looking at the future, afraid of what might happen. And when we let go of all that fear, all that's left is love. Mm. So compassion, gratitude, all of those things fall into love for me. How about forgiveness? What's your definition of forgiveness? What does that mean to you? Really letting go of the stories, the contracted energies that no longer serve us. Does that mean, as we said, well, as you said earlier, it doesn't mean that we uh, uh, we ignore the behaviors of others. Okay. In other words, if they've done something that maybe has violated us or violated social code or some of those those kinds of concepts. Uh, so what then does forgiveness mean in that context? Is it still that same definition? So we're humans living under human law. Mm -hmm. We don't condone the inappropriate actions of others in any way. There are ramifications. But, but Richard, it, forgiveness is letting go of the story that keeps us in victimhood, us repeating the same things over and over and over again. So I heard this saying, um, I can't remember who actually said it. It might have been Mandela. But um, resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Oh, wow. <laughs> Reminds me of the story. That, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that that that's to me, that's what not forgiving someone feels uh, like. Yeah. Reminds me of the story from autobiography of a yogi, my metaphysical primer. Um, the story, I believe it was this story or else it was Ramdas uh, in one of his books years ago that I read. Where one of his devotees, one of the devotees, uh, wanted to see what would happen if they were to slip uh, some LSD into uh, the master's cup. Well, the master knew all along what was going on, and so he drank it down. And of course, the devotee was just astounded, and then started to hallucinate. Then started to have these experiences, and basically was told. You really think that, uh, uh, you know, I'm already where this stuff, if you will, this this drug, I'm already there. You can't you can't manipulate uh, uh, things to get me to do to to experience things. I'm already experiencing those things. I am at that higher level. And he helped the person to come down and so forth. I thought that was really interesting that, you know, you, you, you try to play a little game on someone and it ends up backfiring and you're going, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that's very interesting to me, I used to use the phrase, uh, you know, we, we want to, and I did, I did use the phrase, we want to change the world. And one of my guests, uh, and by the way, one of uh, my guests have the, uh, have the wonderful, I say opportunity and I, I welcome it uh, to to help me to to grow in this process. And I use the word change. And they said, well, you know, um, I would ask you to change, if you will, to use a different word, because to change something means it can be changed back. So why not substitute the word change for the word transform? Because usually once you've transformed something, it's not going back to the way that it was. I mm -hmm. thought, interesting point. And I have to say that um, one of my guests, we were talking, I forget what the subject was specifically, 
but they said, well, let me challenge your, your philosophy there, your theory, you know, your, your concept. And they gave their story. And I, I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. And my response to them in the program was, well, there goes another one of my grass huts up in flames, you know, and I'm willing to set them all on fire to, to find out what's really going on. And that's why we do these programs. Uh, and uh, Judy Miller's our guest. Perfect is the book. And Judy Miller is the website, judymiller.com, correct? It's uh, Judy with I, Miller.net. That's J, uh, dot net. Okay. J U. And with an I. <laughs> and with an I. J U D I M I L L E R dot N E T. And we will be linked to your website so that people can continue their uh, their transformational process by reading your book, by also going to your website and uh, checking into a lot of the, the wonderful things that you have available there. We are going to come back with more here with uh, Judy Miller here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan. Stay tuned. Tell me your stories. I'll do my best to understand. And welcome back to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. I'm here with Judy Miller. That's Judy with an I. Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R. .net is the website, and we are going to be linked to her website. We encourage you to go there. And just as a reminder, we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. And the podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, many other locations, and we thank those who are reposting these interviews. Uh, and... Um, I know that I didn't tell you this up front, but first of all, I will say that uh, for our viewers, your appearance is just fine. This is going to be actually one of my very first video posts, okay? I've been told I should go into video. I should be doing this in that context, and so this is going to be one of my very first, okay? And you have been doing great. I hope that doesn't bother you, because uh, if it does, we won't do it. But um, I, I love being able to see the face. I mean, we can't be in the studio together. Uh, phone calls are great. I'll take those as well. But just to be able to have this level of interaction uh, with someone, even if it isn't in person, okay, six feet apart kind of thing, Um uh, this is this is a wonderful opportunity for for us to 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 connect in this regard, and I'm very grateful for that fact. and And it's just amazing the changes that we've all gone through. I've gone through over the last year, certainly, as we have been uh, doing this uh, whole campaign of 2020, the year of perfect vision. What, if I may ask, is your inner life like? I know there are certain aspects of a person's spirituality uh, that they don't talk about. I know very little about my father's because he's a very private person and I haven't, I haven't badgered him about it. I know more about my mother's. Uh, and so everybody's, everybody's is a little different. And I know you said that you, were, uh, you grew up Catholic uh, and so forth, but it sound, seems to me that your your personal philosophy is has expanded not only to include Catholicism, but beyond it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I mentioned that I started my career as a CPA. Mm -hmm. My parents were accountants. My sister's an accountant. My husband's also a CPA. My daughter's a CPA. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in a world that was very left-brained, mm -hmm. very much in our heads. A lot of numbers. A lot of numbers. But on this journey, I truly learned how to live in my body. As humans, we are meant to experience life in our bodies, not mm -hmm. in our heads. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that our bodies tell the truth. 
our minds don't always tell the truth. Interesting. Um, what is your thought in regards to the difference between knowing, which I believe is part of what we are able to achieve through our inner life, versus believing? So for me, I know that this experience sounds unusual and uncommon, but Richard, I know in my heart and in every cell of my body that it was true. So it's not up in my head. I literally can feel the vibration, vibration in my heart and throughout my entire body. And different people experience it differently. For me, I literally, I literally vibrate. It sounds weird, but I can literally feel my body vibrating. Um, Wow. And I know like I have friends who feel it differently, like when spirit plays with their hair. I mean, it is totally different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about vibration. Now, I made the comment earlier about vibration in respect to our um, uh, consciousness, okay? Uh, and I believe that that as we raise our consciousness, we also raise our vibration. Now, some have said to me that um, that vibration, that's not sort of a, a, a benchmark for determining whether you are spiritual or not, or, 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 or you're living a more spiritual life, say, than you know, say then the garbage man or an accountant or, you know, people who are really locked into the world, the material world. Uh, what's your assessment of if, if it were possible to have some kind of a scale, okay, from extreme materialism, maybe I suppose extreme spiritualism would be you wouldn't be in the physical body anymore. Um, but using that as a a, a, a makeshift scale. Um, do you think that you're you're halfway, three quarters along those lines, or or does it really matter to you? I don't think it really matters to me. So I think people could be an accountant; they could have lots of worldly possessions, but be truly enlightened. We get to choose. We truly get to choose. And you know, Richard, I learned quite by accident how to open my heart, and I think everybody can. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to share how I did it, because I think that allows you to raise your vibration. You know, science actually can measure our human energy field. They said it could actually be like nine feet long, right? Wow. So the higher vibration that we are, the more that we open up our hearts, it truly does increase our vibration. It could actually be measured. Um, so I learned this actually, actually quite by accident. You know, I went to my healers every week. And I would literally lay on the healing table while she worked on me for 15 minutes to 45 minutes. And I would lay there with my eyes closed and I had nothing to do. So I would close my eyes. And when I close my eyes, some people are like me. I actually don't see anything. I can't visualize. I see almost complete blackness. So I would just think of a person, a place or a thing that I loved. And not being able to visualize, I would feel it. What was I hearing, tasting, touching, literally feel it in every sense of my body. And if you can visualize it, I would throw that in as well. 
And then I would bring in another scene. It could be my children. It could be my dog who makes me laugh hysterically because he thinks he's a cat and acts like a cat. Hmm. It could be the very first sunset that I've seen or the first snowfall or the first kiss or holding my children when they were born. And I would literally lay there and imagine and experience all of these things on a cellular level that my vibration was truly so high and so open. And my mentor, Dr. Sue Mortar said, you know, just multiply that even 10 times more and then put your hand on your heart and just say, this is for me, this is me. And on one of my healing sessions, I opened my eyes and my healer was crying. And I thought, Richard, I thought she saw something wrong in me. I thought something was wrong with me. And basically what she told me was that she had never seen a heart chakra so beautiful. And I think it was because my heart was literally wide open. We could actually recreate that sense of love and increase our vibration at any moment, at any time. It's not dependent on anyone or anything. And I discovered it by accident when I was laying on the healing table. Yeah. I would literally bring in image after image of people, places, things that I loved. My children, holding my children for the first time, seeing my dog act like a cat, which makes me laugh seeing the first sunset, the first snowfall, the first kiss. I mean, literally, I would just bring in picture and picture, image after image, and literally feel everything that I was experiencing in that moment. And my vibration increased. And I would do this all the time, every week, as I laid on the healing table. And my, my mentor, Dr. Sue Mortar, said, put your hand on your heart and say, this is for me, this is me. And as I opened my eyes on that healing table, when I discovered it by accident, my healer was actually crying. And I literally thought something was wrong with me. And she said, no, it's, I've never seen such a beautiful heart chakra. And I'm not saying it's my heart chakra. I'm just saying my vibration was so high. Yeah. And we could all do it. Have you ever experienced uh, out of body or near death experience? So I've never experienced a near-death experience, but so many of the experiences I had are similar to what people have described in a near-death experience. So I call it dying with my eyes wide open, okay. the bright white light, the overwhelming sense of love, um, all of those, being able to see scenes go by rapidly are, are many of the things that you hear in a near-death experience. Have you ever heard of LBL, Life Between Lives? Life Between Lives. I know I've never had, but that feeling when I ascended into the light, mm -hmm. it sure felt like a life between lives. Well, I will tell you that that uh, um, I have had the experience of being put under hypnosis. Now, this was conscious. I was fully aware of everything that was going on. But my, um, um, I how do I put this? I don't want to say my hypnotist. Well, but anyway, he uh, he took me through uh, these these different uh, phases that allowed me to go into these different uh, uh, this altered state and experience uh, just that. And 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 the the gentleman who is responsible for a lot of this, a uh, Dr. Michael Newton, uh, mm. he has several books of which I have on Audible on my on my phone. Talks about all of these. In these books, the, several of the, his books are, are uh, uh, having to do with uh, uh, these transcribed uh, uh, sessions with individuals um, who go back to uh, this space between incarnations. And I have to tell you that, that it was really fascinating for me to experience that. And I, I remember I was only taken back to my last 
lifetime. And then that space between where we have the opportunity to rest, uh, sort of to rejuvenate, because even, our, I guess, even on a cellular level, if you will, <laughs> uh, we, we uh, uh, you know, we, we can get burnt out, so to speak. You know, we get tired. Uh, and after living certain lives, uh, you know, when you, you know, we've heard of people whose lives have just been unbelievable, whether whether they've been billionaires and have been doing incredible stuff or they've been through some pretty horrific experiences physically. Um, and then we, we go into a um, sort of if you've ever seen the movie with Albert Brooks and uh, and uh, Meryl Streep <clears throat> uh, having to do with the review of their lives. And she's having the greatest time in the world, eating whatever she wants, knowing she'll not gain a weight. <laughs> and he's freaking out. He's like, this is a this is the ultimate test and I've got to pass this test or it's it could be all over for me, whatever that in his mind was. But you go through a review of the, your, your past life in terms of the experiences that you had, not not for any judgment purpose, just maybe to review and see, well, what did I learn? And then there are classes that you can take. And there's a certain cluster of people. You are in my cluster, okay, obviously, because here we are. And you only associate with those people in your cluster, even in the spirit world. Uh, I don't know if others from other clusters can come in and you go into others. I, I don't know. I, I haven't researched it enough. But it's just fascinating. So when you meet people, and you go, that person's familiar. That's the reason why. Because mm -hmm. they're in your cluster. And I, I have a funny story to tell please, you. Please, please. So um, somebody shared this with me. So there was this husband and wife, and the wife tends to be very, very motherly, you know, always mothering her husband. And it turned out that he was, she was actually his mother in a previous lifetime. So yes, we do carry, we do travel in these soul clusters, and we take turns being different people. Yeah. Sometimes good and bad. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, for me, I find it, I found it fascinating. I also have another book that I carry with me since I was 21. I was given this book on my birthday by a dear friend of mine who passed away uh, about a year and a half ago. And um, uh, it's called The Impersonal Life by James Banner, wrote back in like 1933. Mm -hmm. And I had to get it rebound because the binding had broken. And uh, I carry it with me pretty much everywhere I go now. And I try to read it. And if I don't read it from the text, I have it on Audible. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually recorded it uh, back in, I think, the mid-late 80s. I had my own recording equipment and everything, and I actually recorded the book. Um, oh, wow. But it has a passage, a section in it on, on uh, reincarnation. Now, this book is basically God talking to you and referring to you as one of his manifestations. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he says, you think that when you go to, to reincarnation or regression therapy and you're going to check into other lives that you have lived, you're incorrect. These are not other lives that you have lived. You are tapping into the lives of my other manifestations. And I got to thinking about that compared to reincarnation and living life in you know, different lives. And I thought, well, regression therapy is the whole point is to take you back so that you can learn something about why you are the way you are. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, gee, you know, either either definition still it doesn't make any difference because you're still going there to learn. You're still right. going there to pick up information. And I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. And I have to tell you, I really loved my past, my last past life. Uh, I was a farmer. 
and um, and I actually left this world quite peacefully. I was up in the mountains in a cabin of mine, and I went outside, sat in a chair, leaned back, put my feet up on the rail, tilting my hat forward, going, ah, it's been a good life. And I just left. And I just <laughs> yeah. left. You know? So, Richard, have you ever heard of uh, The Little Soul in the Sun? And does not ring a bell, please. It's a children's book. It's written by Neil Donald Walsh. Um, Neil Donald Walsh wrote the uh, Conversation with God yes. series. But this is a children's version of his book. And I would just love to share the story with please, you. Please. Um, basically, in heaven, everything is perfect. Hmm. We, we can't experience our magnificent because we there's no contrast, as exactly as you were saying in the beginning. So God sends us to earth to learn our lessons and to learn different things. And we are pretending so hard when we get to earth that we forget who we are. So in this book, this little soul wants to experience forgiveness and unconditional love. But there's nothing to forgive in heaven. Everything is perfect. Mm -hmm. So God says, well, how are you going to experience that? And an angel of light comes forward and says, I love you. I will do something so atrocious that you will learn how to forgive. You will learn unconditional love. But in that moment when I strike you, please remind me because I'll be pretending so hard to be what I'm not that I would have forgotten. So I do believe we come to earth to learn our lessons. Mm. But I believe it's so we could also experience the magnificence of who we are. Yeah. Because like you said, we can't experience the light without the darkness. That's right. And we have, as this referred to in many books, um, in many writings, we have that shadow side. But that's still part of what makes us who we are. And many people, I think, when they talk about regret, it's like pulling a thread from a tapestry. Because, oh, it's, it's loose and i got to pull it out. Well, then the tapestry isn't the same. Well, when you regret something, you wish you could go back and change it. And by the way, I saw a story just recently where apparently somebody has come up with a mathematical equation that proves that time travel is possible. <laughs> Although I don't know whether you can go back and change anything. We'll have to wait and see. But that, but if you go back and take out certain parts of your life that you, quote unquote, regret, then that changes who you are in this present moment. Right. And you might feel really good about yourself right now. You might be doing wonderful things for yourself and others. And if you remove that particular challenge that was in your life back there five or 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, you may not be that wonderful, benevolent person that you are today. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that you said early on that's so important, one of the most important aspects of forgiveness is forgiving ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, 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 Richard, when I gave you an overview of perfect, and perfect is actually broken up into three parts, but when I gave you the overview of perfect, in that moment of revelation, when I discovered that link to my healer, mm -hmm. remember mm -hmm. I said I could have experienced fear or betrayal or maybe even anger? Mm -hmm. I could have created a story that literally would have haunted me for the rest of my life. But I chose not to. I chose to see the miracle in the situation instead. And what it really showed me was regardless of what my healer did in past lives, she was unconditionally loved and accepted by the creator and got to come back in this lifetime to heal what was passed down. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's, that's really profound. And I know that in this LBL experience that I had, many people... Uh, you do not have to come back, but you are strongly encouraged to do so because now you've learned so much, they want you to go back to help others. And that seems to be a, a, a real strong message 
uh, on from the other side that that we want you to go back because others need your help and it, this was the analogy that was used for me many years ago in that regard that we're all walking up this ladder all right we're all climbing this ladder and there's someone above us and there's someone below us and the person above us is helping us to continue the climb and we in turn are helping the person below us to climb up mm-hmm. so it it and that's that's what's interesting to me about what we experienced, especially during the last campaign, the presidential campaign here in the United States, uh, the first thing that came to my mind to describe 2016 was victimhood. It's somebody else's fault that we are the way we are, where we are, how we are, instead of, excuse me, but we're fully 100% responsible. I mean, you know this as well as I do. You know this more than I do, that you can't be a little pregnant. You either are or you aren't. So you are yes. either responsible or you are not responsible. And I thought, I went through this whole concept of victimhood back in the 80s. I went through personal growth programs when I was in my my 20s and early 30s. And we phased through the victimhood blaming mom and dad because that's the way I am because it's mom and dad's fault or my siblings' fault or the bullies in school's fault. Uh, to finally becoming understanding of what codependency is and then interdependency and so on. And finally saying, I am who I am because of all of the choices I made. And all of the sudden, 2016 is like getting hit in the face with a wet fish. Oh, we're back to victimhood again. Do we really have to do that again? And we don't, do we? No, we don't. Yeah. No, we don't. You know, um, so as I mentioned, the book is actually broken up in three different ways. Mm-hmm. So 80% of the book is actually written like a novel. So people could actually experience these incredible things that I went through. And I believe that there is such an important message to all of us. So like I said, I know that it sounds a little unusual, a little uncommon, but mm-hmm. I do believe there's a promise for a set for everyone. And then there's a handful of pages, which I call reflections that help people understand what are the lessons that they can learn from the journey. And then there are some very simple exercises so people can truly embody and experience the same things in their own lives. And the reason I tell you this is because when I feel a contraction in my body, so something happens and I feel a contraction. So Richard, you inadvertently said something. (laughs) All of a sudden I started to contract, right? I say, thank you. I say, thank you, because I know that I'm holding something in my body, an emotion, a story, a label or a judgment that I need to heal. Because if I didn't need to heal, it wouldn't impact me. It wouldn't hit me. Ah. Right. So there is so much contraction going on in the earth right now Mm -hmm. with the planet, with our relationships, with each other. I feel that the earth is contracting and I think it's the universe's way of saying this is our opportunity right now to heal. Mm. I couldn't agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. You know, many people on this program have made comments similarly that this is the time for us to do this, to experience that, to encompass this and so on and so forth. And and it's like, well, okay, I, I do understand that. It makes perfect sense why we had to wait until now. But I guess it was because we didn't have in front of us, shall we call it the catalyst or catalysts? I mean, some people say there's a, a, a triple threat. 
uh, between uh, the, the current U.S. administration, COVID-19, and uh, uh, maybe the economy, or maybe it's the weather, or the wildfires here in California, or the hurricanes along the east and southern coasts of the United States in the Gulf and so forth. I mean, whatever the case might be, it seems like a lot more is really happening to us or around us, I should say. And so maybe that is part of it, that, that, that there are layer upon layer of things that we didn't have before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, not not to this degree, not to this intensity. That was something that someone else said. It's uh, opportunities that abound, and I love it, the, 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 the way things are happening. It, the opportunities that are out there, they're exciting to think about. Even those that we don't even know what they are yet. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so people ask me, um, you know, I worked with my healer for nine months and they told me that if I found out the relationship, you know, in our lineage, mm-hmm. when I first met her, would I have had the same reaction? And I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been ready. Yeah. It took me nine months to learn how to let go of stories, learn how to forgive learn to live with an open heart so I could truly experience the miracle in the situation. So maybe we weren't ready back then. Yeah. I think there is a certain level of preparation. I mean, if, if we stay in the concept of duality, you know, that this is bad and this is good, um, instead of, of kind of moving and transcending beyond that to saying, these are just cycles, if you will, ebb and flow, just like the tide. There's nothing wrong with the tide. It comes in and it goes out. It takes the seaweed in and it takes the seaweed out, you know, that kind of thing. Takes shells in and out, uh, all of those types of things. But we don't pass judgment on the tides Uh, Mm -hmm. any more than we pass judgment on the moon for being responsible for the tides. It's just, it's just what is. Uh, And I think that that will help us in a big way, correct me if I'm wrong here from your perspective, um, to change our perspective on the stories that we're, we're experiencing now so that we don't carry them into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, you know, going along with that analogy, um, John Newton is one of my uh, teachers. He says, it's like a tsunami when you're a boat out there and you just rise and fall with the waves, you're fine. You're safe. Yeah. It's when you resist that you're destroyed. Yeah. I noticed, too, that that ships and I've seen this on movies primarily, but I've heard this from some sailors here on in Santa Barbara, that when you're you're in rough seas, you want your ship to be perpendicular to the waves coming towards you because you'll get scuttled. You'll get flipped over in that respect. But I know what you're talking. We're not talking necessarily about that kind of a situation. We're talking about just, you know, the, the, the rise and the fall, the, the swells. And mm-hmm. you just go along with those swells and, you know, life is good. You know, because you're just floating along. And I love I love the analogy of the ocean and the water because I that's one of the reasons I moved to Santa Barbara. I wanted to be close to the water. Didn't expect it to be here, you know, <laughs> but I'm glad I'm glad that I have that that access. What part of the country are you in, by the way? I live in Florida. You didn't live in Florida. And how are you handling uh, the ever present uh, threat of low pressure systems and then the potential for tropical storms and then they grow into hurricanes and all that fun stuff. Are you, are you in a space <laughs> in not just physically, but within yourself, we are saying, you know what, this is okay. I'm willing, I'm willing to go through these. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I do believe everything is here to serve us, mm -hmm. even though in the moment and in the situation, and sometimes it's difficult to see. What about your thoughts on these events that take place, whether here in California, we've got the wildfires or there, the hurricanes or mid the mid part of the country, the tornadoes during that part of the season and how humanity just comes out of the woodwork to help, to support, mm -hmm. to to lift up people who have been affected by these that and some of these stories, for example, here in California that we've heard or just different things uh, that have taken place because of COVID and just the utter and sheer humanity of it all. It's just beautiful. It's just incredible. You you think you, a lot of times when you see some of the news with the riots and the protests and so forth, you think the world's coming unglued. But then you see some of those stories and you go, oh, there's still hope. <laughs> and I think you're absolutely right. So in the tragedy, whatever tragedy it might be, People come together as one, the one that we were all intended to be, right? Yeah. With love and compassion. Yeah. Judy Miller, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program. This has been a, a sheer pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Perfect is the title of the book, A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. The foreword is by uh, Marcy Shimoff, and uh, we are looking forward to having her on our program sometime in the not-too-distant future. And we thank you for sharing your story and the information from Perfect. Uh, the website, again, is uh, Judy, uh, is, um, yes, Judy Miller with an I, Judy with an I, Miller.net. We will be linked to your website, and Again, we thank you so much for giving us so much time. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Richard. I do have three final questions for you before we wrap things up, but I do want to remind our listeners that this program is heard Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. We are streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com, and the podcasts, I like to call them broadcast podcasts, are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations, so we certainly hope that you will you will begin the process of transforming your life uh, by going to judymiller.net as well as many of our other guests' websites. And uh, please drop us a line at TMYS for Tell Me Your Story, TMYS at richarddugan.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, any ideas, any guest suggestions. I'm I'm not at uh, uh, I'm not uh, um, short on guest ideas or suggestions. I've got plenty, but I'm always open to to more. And uh, we have three final questions for our guest today here on the program. And again, the title of the book: Perfect: A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. First of the three, who is Judy Miller? Hmm. A being of light and love, just like all of us. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? So one of the things that I teach in Perfect is when we let go of the stories, labels, and judgments, we see everything through the eyes of the Creator, through the eyes of love, where there is no separation. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Hmm. To help reawaken the Creator within for everyone. Judy Miller, again, I thank you so much for joining us on the program. It's been a great pleasure not only to meet you, but to talk with you and, and hear your story and uh, uh, the wonderful uh, connection that you and I have, uh, whether it be through Catholicism. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you that I am not a practicing Catholic, but I have to tell you also that I still love the ritual and the ceremony, uh, the traditions of the church. Uh, that I've actually tried to incorporate into certain aspects of my own life and my own home. Uh, and um, 
Uh, it's you know I I I heard many many ex Catholics for Jesus you know and I'm going no 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 I am not ex nothing okay and I'm not former okay that was mm-hmm. my upbringing and uh, uh, my mother at my six and when I was 16 and I was delivering newspapers came to me one Sunday morning saying come on Richard time to get up I know you were delivering newspapers early in the morning but time to go to mass and I really don't want to go mom and she's okay years later I asked her why. And she said, because I didn't want you to push away from the church. Mm, wow. And I didn't. I didn't. I just, I, I've moved. I've gone to Mass on occasion in the last 10 or 15 years. <laughs> I can't remember when my last confession was. But <laughs> it's, it, you know, it has given me a foundation, just like I'm sure it has you, that um, has enriched our lives, hasn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, Richard, my my husband's a different religion. And I do honestly believe that all roads lead home. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Again, Judy Miller, JudyMiller.net is the website. Perfect is the book. I'm Richard Dugan. This has been Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to lull.